0: And welcome to Writers Drinking Coffee. This is a podcast of a bunch of writers who sit around drinking coffee and talking about writing, publishing, and the whole creative process. We do not censor ourselves, so consider us PG-13. Today, your hosts are John Schmidt, Raymond Miller, and me, Jeannie Warner. This is episode 102. I'm calling it crime and euphemism. So guys, I want to talk about crime novels. I want to talk about crime novels and how sometimes they are buried within genre and does it matter that they're buried within genre? Are they historical crime, current crime? Crime novels are neat, like caper novels in different ways. Oh,
1: oh, 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 oh. Ooh. You can't automatically correlate crime novels to caper novels because when you talk crime novels, oh, I'm playing right into your point. A caper yes, novel are. is, is a specific things.
0: thing. You go on. <laughs> you
1: have caper novels. You have whodunits where where the crime the caper novel. Leonard is great Certainly. on those um, because it, it, you've got a caper, you have whodunits, you have uh, which is a simple mystery, you have mysteries, you have comfort novels. In an English village, the tea is poisoned. It's not really a It, It's a it's a a scene in place, and you've got police procedurals. Oh my god! And my favorite police procedural was written by Charles Strauss as a future meditation. I just played completely into your hand because. You when you talk yourself about,
0: into agreeing with me again,
1: dang it, you <laughs> cunning, cunning author. So when we talk about crime novels, we could talk about anything from uh, portraits of place, and I'm going to mention that some of the best portraits of place I've read recently have been written by one of the one of the people on the show, to uh, serial killer horror thrillers, which are deep psychological examinations where you get deep in the brain. And I don't read those. It, including the fabulous one done by yet another author who happens to be on this particular podcast, but can you expand your idea so I can sulk off quietly here? Cause I've already proven it.
0: I was starting to realize that there's really two genres of crime. And one of them was the crime novels, which mm-hmm. fall into all of that, that, that John just carefully illustrated for me okay. and the very, very narrow True crime novels in which people are describing John Gacy or Jeffrey Dahmer, son of Sam, and those kinds of mer- there's some that are I'm calling them nonfiction true crime. Right, 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 right. Versus anything else, and I wanted to sort of dance around a couple different blendings here where we talk about some genres. Like there's a lot of people that are like, well, I like crime, I don't like science fiction, but I wanted to throw out a few names for people like Harry Harrison's Stainless Steel Rat. It's that thing that you were talking about, John. Of it's capers, but it's also finding out other crimes at different levels. Or Artemis, a novel by Andy Weir, was all about a heist. Um, Robert Sawyer did some sci-fi noir with his Red Planet Blues and Polar City Blues by Kit Carr. Of course, Hardboiled Wonderland and the End of the World by Haruki Murakami. All of these were the setting is variable. But the interesting mm-hmm. thing that drive, grabs us all and brings us in is it's crime and discovery. It's crime and investigation. It's crime and covering up. It's, I'll, And so I was going to submit, I think more people are crime novel fans than they realize. Uh,
2: then, what do you think? Uh, I, okay. Hold on. Hold on. I, first of all, I pull back for a bit because we we're, we're banning the word crime about, and it just hit me that, and there's this bleed of crime and mystery. And in my hand, uh, or in my mind, because I don't know what to do with my hands, but in my mind, uh, mystery is the, is the larger genre and crime is a subgenre w- within that. You know, so uh, uh, yes, on a whodunit or a cozy, uh, a crime's been committed, but I think of that more as a mystery. But for me, crime is something very specific uh, um, in which it is about someone doing something dastardly. And it's and the dastardly thing, uh, and how it affects others is more of an emphasis. And even uh, within that subgenre, I would put in a caper. So, um, but it's but again, it's just it's just me trying to you know create my own categories and my own places of putting things. But, yeah.
1: But but you're following there. I, I mean, you can go on Wikipedia and look this up. Hit nudge nudge where they they have a whole. <laughs> fighting description about uh, what a crime fiction is and separating it into things like um, crime fiction, detective stories, murder mysteries, mystery novels, police novels, um, courtroom dramas, hard-boiled, all the way to noir, legal thrillers, where it's the case, you can see this in in other genres too, uh, and suspense novels. And, you know, we say this, and you you immediately, as Jeannie has done, get more examples on the famous Sherlock Holmes. But it goes clearly all the way back to some of the earliest stories. Right, right, right. Um, was not the stealing of Helen of Troy a crime? Although that's a little reach, but certainly some of the Thousand and One Arabian Nights stories have uh, solved this mystery or die elements in them.
0: Oh, so uh, Otto Penzler a guy <laughs> deeply involved, in it, wrote a little bit talking about crime as the sub-genre of mystery. And I will actually buy that because anything can be a mystery. Although at the same time, I start saying what defines it. Mystery could be what became of the ancients, what became of the guys who built Easter Island, what became right. of, which that is a great big genre. And I can see that if we define that so broadly of the I don't know something about this thing, but I'm investigating it. Sure, that's a mystery. So I like when I think about crime is is the crime or the threat of the crime central to the theme and plot, and that's where Otto and I actually kind of agree. Because right, right, after she... that, you're breaking it down to is it a the detective novel that we were talking about or hard boiled, which to me is even more detectivey versus thriller versus yeah police procedurals. Okay.
2: All right. This is this is interesting because um, uh, in the I, I kinda, I'm kind of cheating on my thing because I'm taking a class <laughs> uh, and the class describes, you know, just what I said. You know, there's mystery and then a, uh, a sub genre of that would be crime. But, OK, I did take the nudge and I'm looking at Wikipedia and it's got crime fiction versus detective fiction. And there's this interesting bleed between the two right so both of them have this kind of uh uh murder mystery there and both of them have cozies and both of them have police procedural so there is either confusion there or a bit of nuance that i'm missing which is very interesting
0: well it, i was thinking of in structure it's a, a who done it or sometimes yeah. a why done it yes and those can both go either way it's like well we know that genie killed a whole bunch of people in a fit of rage <laughs> why she i mean because that's really out of character she was a mild-mannered person up to that why dunnets are interesting but the structure yeah. is can be funny can be not i mean if i am as a criminal i could set up my career path i can decide to be a cat burglar i can decide to
1: Oh, yeah. you would you would commit crimes of passion and royalty. Come on.
0: Oh, I told <laughs> you about this weird dream where aliens had come in and solved and we no one anywhere on the planet committed crimes anymore. The problem was there weren't any heroes either. And then I realized what happened was the aliens had been using the packs, or I don't remember what McGuffin equivalent was, but discovering that people that had that soul of a of a hyper criminal or a super good person all ended up kind of brain wiped and so it was our job to figure out like how can i force people to be super cool again so i had in order to do that i had to start committing really citywide crimes and planet-wide crimes so then it was helped me understand that the joker was just trying to help the batman exist so
1: which is Uh, something that did occur in in one of the miller batmans but i'm going to change this for a second
0: in robin hood
1: (laughs) robin hood Riding through the woods. No, that's Dennis Moore. Um, I I do want to spend a second to define a cozy mystery because we've been saying cozy, and I immediately think tea cozy, which kind of fits. It is uh, mysteries or crime novels where you don't – it's the opposite of hard-boiled. It's soft-boiled. You don't swear a lot. You don't drop F-bombs as acts. And people are beaten up off-camera usually. Violence is done off-camera and then discovered rather than focusing on the violence. <laughs> but I want to put forward a point that one of the reasons that crime novels in all their genres are so prevalent is that it is an easy and fascinating way to look at cultures and subcultures in a fun and realistic way. And I realize that fun and realistic don't have the same goal But if you wanted to write about tech boys in the Silicon Valley in the 1980s, you could write a lot of boring novels or you could write about the cuckoo's egg, which is a true crime story of a hacker, which gets into all the weird details and has the rush of trying to figure out how this guy hacked into Lawrence Livermore labs aiming for and how he was stopped. Mm -hmm. And it's quite a rush and it's a really good illustration of some of the joys of engineering, frankly, which there are very few. Yeah, I know. Okay. We can all laugh at me now, but in that same, go ahead.
0: I was going to say, no, I didn't want to interrupt your thought there, but I was contemplating that as, as you go there, we have, when you have the why done it, you're able to say Les Miserables is a crime novel. And so is Crime and Punishment because it's not detective fiction. Although, they do have very relentless policemen in them, and we know who did it, but why they did it and the effect it had on people, yes. it's, it's interesting. I mean, technically, there's Otto made the point that the Bible could be the first crime story when uh, Cain murdered his brother. <laughs> Oedipus Rex, Macbeth, anything <laughs> Charles Dickens ever wrote. Hey,
1: let's go back to the Bible and the mystery of how when you're down to one brother, you get the whole human race out of that crowd. Well Ooh, where does women come
2: from. Only two of you. What happened to him? I don't know. Am I my brother's
0: keeper? This is the problem with literalists. It says, I created this guy first. It didn't say who I created two thousandth.
2: Yes. That's okay, a just, very, very good point. Please
1: expand that. I don't understand. Oh, got it. Thud
0: whomp. I'm just gonna let that one sink in for a second. Sorry.
2: Oh my god. I've not I can't believe I didn't come up with that on my own. You're I welcome. cannot believe
0: that I did not. <laughs> Oh, oh, I it. oh
2: cause the Bible has. Okay. All right, I guess we're doing this. The Bible has a habit. I'm going to be very kind about this. I don't want a bunch of p- protests of focusing and centering on certain individuals and their lineage and their families. Right. Right. Yeah. No, we already know that. And if that's the case, other individuals could have been created. I created one, two, and here are the other, you know, 150,000 I created because you need that for a decent gene pool. Huh. Even if you created two and they, oh, and it might have been you created a bunch of them and the two of them got kicked out.
0: <laughs>
2: and it got everybody kicked out.
0: <laughs>
2: Interesting.
0: And, and huh. it's all kinds of who, who wrote it. I mean, I think in Islamic mythology, there's a daughter of Adam and Eve, uh, Anak. I'm probably mispronouncing Enoch. her name. I'm sorry. Enoch, yeah. It's all in who wrote it and which they wrote in. I mean, you know, every diet did anything, decided what books were going to be in the Bible this time. So
2: yeah, this t- that's true. That's true. That's true. So. Again, we shouldn't get too far into this, but yeah, it's don't. interesting. And every time I am a guest here or listen to the uh, podcast, I'm fr- frantically taking notes and looking things up because it's, Oh man. Thank you for sharing.
0: Well, Thank I mean, you I for love bringing it. your
2: perspective. Oh my God.
0: Absolutely. Cause I mean, I love the talented Mr. Ripley and I, I love that they made book out of it, but these interesting Interesting bad guys. The Godfather was an interesting bad guy. By the end of it, we loved Michael. Michael did horrible, horrible things without even blinking. Even though, you know, when he, when he wasn't involved in, oh, that's the family. I don't want to get involved in them. I want to be out of all that. Oh, well, I'm in it now. I'm just, I'm going to, you know, command the St. Valentine's Day massacre.
2: Now, that's, a, that's an interesting point because either, I don't want to get into the Hogwarts because I can't remember the, the houses, um, but either Michael was very pragmatic or there was an evil streak in him because either he enjoyed what he was doing or he's like, okay, whatever I do, I'm going to be great at it. Whatever I do, I'm going to achieve the goal uh, by any means necessary. And uh, I might have to start flip back through the book to kind of figure out the character, which one is it? Cause I'm sure there are little clues along the way to tell us.
0: I was thinking if there's horrific, you know, Again, I love this essay because the idea of horrific events on massive scale or just a personal scale, if the author isn't trying to make moral judgments, uh, they want to just examine the criminal themes, it's probably just going to be a crime novel rather than bigger mystery. Mm -hmm. Detective Mm -hmm. fiction has a little bit more moral values and a conservative philosophy, whereas Crime fiction is more radical or maybe anti-establishment, going back to my stainless steel rat, or Mm. Skeen, the smuggler of Joe Clayton. If you look, fantasy has, I think, even more than science fiction. When I started thinking about what fantasy authors use crime stories and crime novels, because you could say, fucking all of Harry Dresden. Or the rivers of London are the rivers of London are basically one long police procedural series.
1: Yeah, but also the long arm of Gil Hamilton
0: and yeah,
1: I think that's a reading bias, but I could be very wrong there. Well, maybe, maybe I
0: don't know Charlene Harris's gravesite is perfectly. It's like it's woman who sees ghosts and can see where people are buried, and so therefore solves crime. So it's it's a police procedural drama, mm-hmm. and it's detective because she has a certain moral. View of it.
1: And Charlie Strauss's Halting State and Rule 34, Police Procedural Science Fiction. We we could go on all night like this.
0: Oh, I was thinking about it because when I take a deep breath and said people used to say science fiction is bad from the 70s because, well, there was a lot of bad science fiction and fantasy and still is because how do I know what I write is good or anybody writes is good? Time will tell. But what... I think the same principles go across all of them. And if you were going to write it, I wanted to think about what those principles were. So I wrote down a couple and hoping you guys will argue with me. First one, the most important thing, know what your bad guy actually is doing at all times. Because by the end of it, when you finished a book, the author, even if you're at the beginning trying to figure out, it's like you can say, okay, I'm going to start this. I walked out and found a body on my front porch. Maybe I, as the writer, don't know what it is or how it got there. And me, as the protagonist, is going to be exploring all of those things about it. But somewhere in there, by the end of the book, I, the author, have to know all of the steps of what the bad guy did, what they're doing, because otherwise there's going to be shit that just don't make sense.
1: I'm going to put in a caveat. Know what the bad guy did at all times, especially off camera, in relation to the bad thing. Yeah. So unfortunately, I'm not really arguing with you, <laughs> but you do need to know in in all the whodunits the, the time, the five questions time, plate, who, why, where, when, how's you doing? Are I don't, I don't remember all of them. You can correct me. Uh, right. Are important. So you need to know them so you can reveal them or conceal them properly, especially with those famous red herrings from. Your readers
0: and I was going to say where it got blurred for me between crime and mystery was saying with a mystery I can just say anything even a historical mystery a modern person investigates why all the lemmings threw themselves off a cliff the mystery for there is going to be why so kind of decide whether am I going to want to know why or you know people just be crazy that's a why but motivations are still interesting so. What are okay. the motivations of the bad guys? The world is a mess and I need to rule it, says Dr. Okay. Horrible.
2: Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Cause I would I wouldn't say, cause I'm, I'm kind of a plotter, but this is the one instance in which I would say maybe to not plot too much on that. Cause I feel, I feel as though if I knew, if I went into it, knowing where my bad guy, my antagonist is at all times, as I plot back and forth, there's, there's too many layers and I can't, I wouldn't be able to write as freely as I want to, but I will agree that by the end, I need to go back and say, okay, where chapter by chapter, where is my antagonist? Where are my red herrings? Who may or may not have done what? Because a red herring's not going to work if it's too obvious that a person couldn't have done you know, what you're accusing them of doing, right? So that's...
0: Well, I was huh. going to say one of it is that if you're you're planning for your bad guy to be alive at the end, if you want a satisfactory confrontational scene, et cetera, one more question, says Columbo. Yes. You got to keep your bad guy doing something through the book. And some of it is going to be related to the crime. But if it isn't all related to that crime, some of it's then got to be related to your protagonist, or the people they run into. So that's why I'm just saying your bad guys, he's got to be a living person. If you want him alive at the end, He's got to be a living character all the way through, even if the camera's not on them.
2: That That is true. I, I want to argue it, but I can't seem to bring myself to <laughs>
0: I'm on a roll. You are on a roll.
2: And, and I'm, even this thing I'm working on now, like, oh, shit, I got to go back and do something. Ah, dang it. I, didn't, I did not need to hear that.
0: <laughs> well, I'm just saying, you know. Your characters get bored if you ignore them for too long, and then they do weird things, and then you've got to figure out how to put it back in. So, you know, yes. don't and don't just, ignore your bad guys. I'm saying your bad guys are at least as important as your protagonists,
2: or sometimes more important in some ways. Yes, yeah. yes.
0: I mean, if the bad guy is the protagonist, and like I, I view the series Leverage is coming back on TV, and I'm so happy, I'm completely beside myself. But to that one, it's the bad guys who are doing bad things for a good result, which makes it more caper oriented, which is crime. So it's in there, but they've got to know at all times, like that series keeps track of these are my bad guys. Here's my, my cast of five, seven, whatever the bad guys are. They each have to do something. They each have to have a reason. And I need to know what each of them are doing, even when they're off the camera.
2: Yeah, that is true. You know, and it's interesting you'd, you'd say that because, um, Let's say we have uh, you know, just a regular mystery, even if it's cozy, you have your detective going after the bad guy. Police procedural, you have your uh, officer going after the bad guy, and the bad guy's very you know, very important, at least as important, you know, in the neighborhood as important as your as your good guy. But then if you flip that and you're doing say a caper, you know, you have your bad guy with other bad guys doing bad things, how they do it how they interact with each other, the obstacles they put in their, as things go wrong are more important than the good guys that are chasing them. Because, you know, do I really need to know where the the police could be there faceless and they're never revealed at the end as a mystery is? It's just, you know, you don't, Detective Harper, who cares what the guy's name is? It's just that I pull this caper, either I get away with it or I don't, right? It works out for me or it doesn't. And- you could have the police off screen at the whole time because the true antagonist is the setting, the the things going on and the other people on the caper, because obviously these professionals
0: can't get along. But it's basically at its core, then it's a little bit radical. It's it's fighting the system. It's stealing from the man. It's it's, you know, sticking it to the big guy for the little guy series. So I, I kind of. Mm-hmm. I'm agreeing with this guy and his theories that, yeah, if you're from the detective point of view, you're kind of on the side of law and order. And if you're on the caper leverage side of view, you're on the, I'm going to say this in a weirder sort of way, more on the side of justice. Oh, what do oh, you think? Oh,
2: That's good. I like that. I like that because no one's well, not everyone we think is bad is bad. Not everyone.
0: I liked Rachel Aaron's Eli Monpress for that, the legend of Eli Monpress of like the stainless steel rat, like some of the others. It was a character that was a thief and a big thief and really a pain in the ass to this very conservative, you know, government that was made up of many corrupt people. And it was interesting. It just sort of kept in the theory that, yeah, they really do set the capers versus Non capers versus detectives. So, just thinking of those in perspective.
2: I'm uh rereading a uh, Walter Mosley novel, Bad Boy Brawley Brown, because all of all of his uh, Easy Rollins mysteries have a, a color in the title. And you know, there's a bit of radicalism there. And he doesn't he doesn't ever step out and say banks are bad, right? Or uh, capitalism will crush you. But there are different layers in the story in which you see the effects of unbridled capitalism on individuals and on their, uh, on their communities, uh, on, on corrupt police departments, or even police officers who just buy into the party line, you know, I'm just withholding the law, but never questioning, are those laws just? Are they helpful? Um, do they enhance the community rather than crush it? So, yeah, interesting. Yeah, and it's, very interesting.
0: it's interesting how many that we've read as well that had detectives that were investigating a crime only to discover that the person who perpetrated it was actually the good guy. Yes. People Retrieve. get hired by PI. Yes. PIs get hired by corporations all the time. You know, pretty sure that uh, guy over there is cheating on his di- disability. I, we think he's able, you know, go follow him and get pictures proof. <laughs> right? Yes. And I was thinking that in the same way crime fits perfectly in the way that they say, what do you want to do? How do you keep things rolling along? I was thinking about how every conversation needs to advance the plot or develop the characters and how it's kind of, is it the same thing? And I was realizing that how many of, how many times I've sat there and analyzed the psycholog because I can't help it done a psychological profile of the main character and Vis-a-vis, also the author, thereby. Funny
1: <laughs> that
2: it, it's interesting because I'm finding myself—I uh, wouldn't say I'm bored with my own writing, but I'm tired of you know taking aspects of myself, injecting them into my protagonist, and sending them out in the world. I'd hate to admit I'm a more boring person than I'd like to think I am. <laughs> but I have to get outside that box of, well, I wouldn't do that. Well, it's not about me. I mean, it's about me, but it's not about me. And if we want to have a good story, you have to have this sense of a character that's not going to stop, you know, is not going to, you know, take a moment and think, because that's what I, I would do. That's not, it's not inherent in a, a good juicy crime fictions.
0: If you're drawing the criminal, the criminal has a harder time in the middle of a caper stopping and examining his own motives because that's really not the best time for it
2: (laughs) no no
0: no how did we get here i don't care i'm hanging on a rope off the edge of a building raymond can you just pull (laughs) no let's take a moment and really discuss this i'm gonna kill you when you get to the top
2: (laughs) oh okay I wish you hadn't said that because now I have to have a character that does that. I have to have a character (laughs) that won't shut up and he keeps talking. And that might be the only character that survives the whole thing.
0: You always tell me to talk about my feelings more.
1: (laughs) You can call that character, you can call that character, Jeannie, you know, or you You want to disguise the little Jean.
0: Y'all are in all of my books. It's just the way things go. So
2: there we are. For good or bad, for whatever that means, we're oh, in it. Oh,
0: if I don't like people, I kill them. It's okay. It's okay. Actually,
2: if I don't like people, I leave them in because uh, the things I do to them are the most interesting. Mm. Yeah, so, I, I'm not reluctant to, you know, throw them in, with a, 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 in a bag full of wasps and shake that bag up. I, I have no problem with that.
1: Throw them in a bag full of wasps and shake the bag up. Oh, my
2: yes. God. I have no problem. That's fair that's painful (laughs) (laughs) but it's interesting i mean how (laughs) never
1: i want to say never with a bag of wasps okay
0: yeah i i was just thinking though if i'm gonna plan and execute a crime i mean and somehow robbery seems to be the most fun there were some of them where the crimes happened all the way through it and and that's what i think i've been sort of fun of some of them are like, if you have somebody who's investigating a criminal because of one crime, and then you start discovering more along the way, that goes back to the know what your criminal's doing all the way through it to make it fun. but.
2: You know, I have to expand on that. So it's not just about making sure what a criminal is doing, because that, you know, it's a little murder mystery. Now you you killed someone, now you have to kill other people to cover up the original crime, which would have been an interesting twist on the Bible with all these people we've added to Genesis in my head now. But also, if you're going against an institution, as many hard-boiled novels do, you're going after one crime, and as you uncover this conspiracy, which may or may not have been related to the other crime, detectives seem is that they're overwhelmed. And, and now they become, in some ways, enemies of the criminals of the underworld state. And they're just trying to survive, right? Just trying to get out of this. So that's a very interesting take on it. Thank you.
0: And I was also looking in there because when I started thinking about crimes, do we have equal representation in crimes? And I just want to throw it out there that I went and found out what are the top 10 queer protagonists in crime fiction. And I'm going to send you guys the link I found because Mm. not just because the talented Mr. Ripley is anything. He's what is sexual conveniency, as it were. But there were a lot of really interesting psychologists and detectives that do have variety and LGBTQ. And I wanted people to know that they're out there too, so that there is representation. It's just people sometimes don't want to play it up. But Val McDermott, for instance, wrote Report for Murder, and Lindsay Gordon, because who doesn't love Val McDermott, is a cynical socialist, lesbian, and feminist doing her job. And I thought it was really cool to say there is a fair bit of that. And British Police Procedural, you get the Kate Daniels series um, by Mari Harnay, I think. So there is, and they can be haunted by the past or future, fear of discovery, depending on the job, the environment, or very open all of these are possible. And I just wanted to say there is representation out there. And that really made me happy to discover.
2: That is very interesting because I would assume that anything written before 1970 would put LGBTQ plus as deviant behavior.
0: Nah, talented Mr. Ripley was like 1955.
2: Right, right, right. I mean, but again, that's, that's my own ignorance. You know, I would assume that. I would also have assumed until I looked into myself that Anything from any minority would be the same way. Okay, we don't like you and we can bring you in as an antagonist or the helper, butler or whatever, you know, whether it's uh, black people, Asians, you know, Hispanics or something like that. But that's not necessarily true. Right. Just because we can't get something published doesn't mean that it's not written and it's not out there. I, I tend to peek at some uh, Chester Heim stuff when I'm kind of stuck and looking for a little nudge in, in my own writing. Yeah.
0: yeah. A lot
2: of flavors there. A lot of flavors.
0: Again, there's a lot of weird, challenging, like Henry Rios. That, I guess it was more written in the 80s during the AIDS crisis, but there is a lot that can be used depending on the setting of the book. You're absolutely right. Are mm-hmm. they hiding it? Are they dealing with the sudden loss of a bunch of friends? I lost a long time family friend because of that there is a lot of possibility of using whatever time you set it in mm-hmm. appropriately so let me turn this forward to right now and look at you guys what are you writing right now are you writing anything that crime in any genre oh
2: me 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 can i can i do this can i do this it's my do, turn do, do, pick do. me pick me
0: <laughs> hey raymond, we,
2: what are you writing
1: we pick raymond <laughs> raymond what are you writing talk to us about
2: of course, now that you said my name and picked me, I'm drawing a blank. No, I'm, te- I'm teasing, I'm teasing, teasing. I took a class because I wanted to do this right. I'm, I'm tired of writing little short stories, and I wanted to, you know, this is going to be my crime novel. I'm going to get it on out there. So, and I, I will admit this, I, I did start with a template. So I'm working on a, a, a crime novel, well, kind of a hardball detective thing, based on my grandfather. Uh, He was a very interesting man. He had his own kind of cynicalism and he was very supportive. If you need something, then he may not come with money, but he'll tell you what you need to do. And he had a way of of adding an insult to it. So there was there was a lot of what they teach you in that school there, boy. You don't you don't know nothing. (laughs) And I would say, no, you're right, Pop. I don't know anything. Could you tell me how to do this now, please? And so um, surviving his life was not always easy. I can't remember what year he was born, but he was he was running around during the 40s, 50s and 60s. And so he a lot of upheaval in his lifetime. And I wanted to in the series, I wanted to kind of explore that. So I about 10,000 words away from the end. And I hate to say this. I don't have a title yet. I usually start with a title and, and, and use that title as my uh, as the goal you know, as this thing I'm always, always looking towards, and get excited about it. Like, oh, do I want to work on a book today? And I could say the title as, a, as you would, you know, your crush's name, and and be able to use that to spur me forward to at least get, you know, a thousand words today. You know, I can, I can hit six thousand. I know I can do this. You know, I can get the editing done, but still no title. And so, titles I'm titles are hard.
0: Tired. I mean, I, I, maybe for me, some people out there seem to be, oh, yes, and the title of my book is this. Like, titles are hard. You know, and it's even worse when somebody's like, oh, this is clearly part of a series. What's your series name? And I stare at it blankly.
1: My favorite is listening to other people talk about titles and, and the fact that, such as Lois McMaster's Bougehold, has retitled some series based on you know, she writes a little and then she writes a little more and then the next story and she realizes she has said the wrong thing. But yeah, author Twitter tells us that there's a lot of authors stumbling around going, yeah, it's a great book. I have no idea what it's called yet.
0: <laughs> it makes me feel a little bit better. I mean, it makes me feel a lot better. I've I've written two, two novels, I'll say manuscripts because they aren't published yet in my Bluebird series. And the second one, I like the title because I wanted to use Bluebird in it. I call it Bluebirds and Rum Runners. And I'm realizing Mm -hmm. that rum isn't actually mentioned in the book at all. I just really like it for (laughs) involving of going down and the hidden illicit trade between here and Central America. It's not just the electronic trade, the the black market, everything that moves down. And Rum Runners, to me, shows that. It's like that's the illicit, you know, it's like moonshiners, but it's not just moonshine. It's people that ran contraband that may not be completely allowed across borders. And I can't think of a better name yet. You and
2: just- that's, that's a good one. That works.
0: But I I don't think it's the final one. It's just sort of sitting there. So I'm right with you, Raymond.
2: And part of the problem is after reading so much Walter Mosley, it's interesting because even in an interview, he said he wasn't until the third or fourth book that his agent said, "Okay, well, what color? is the name of the next book. He's like, what do you mean? Well, all the books at this point have color in the title. (laughs) Oh, I guess they do. (laughs) And so I I guess it's not something that, you know, you really have to worry about. You'll, you know, whatever needs to happen will happen if you have that kind of faith in uh, either the universe or your deity of choice. But for me, I, I like to have that planned out. I mean, part of me thinking, maybe use uh, some kind of insult in the title, since that's what my grandfather is a homage to him or Uh, some sort of soul food in the title because, you know, why not? But then that might limit my audience. So, you know, if I'm going to get this thing published, I'm sure the publishing house, the agent, printer, somebody is going to have a, well, you know, we should probably use this title or let's a nudge or something like that. So
0: oh, the worst thing is when somebody looks at it the first time and is blindingly correct. I'm like, Oh yeah. This is the suspicions of Mr. Witcher. (laughs) Fuck it is too, isn't it? Yeah. Well done.
1: (laughs) That's just because because you have a large group of genius friends. But anyway.
0: It's true. The good thing about the publishing industry, one hopes, is that they have read a lot of books because they clearly are and they love it. And they also have maybe that emotional distance that sometimes we lack when we're writing it.
2: Yes, emotional distance. Uh. Isn't that that a Marvin Gaye song?
0: I'm sure of it. (laughs) It Oh.
1: Or is that sexual healing? I always get them wrong.
0: Oh. I'm sure it's sexual healing. We will put links to sexual healing and this podcast and the interesting things we talk about on this podcast on our website, which is www.writersdrinkingcoffee.com. You can also find us on Facebook or Twitter. And you're listening to Writers Drinking Coffee, a labor of love and enthusiasm put together by these hosts. Our main web support magic is brought to you by Deirdre Schwie and our sound engineer is David Welsh. Our intro music is Pretty Made Milking a Cow, and our exit music is Breakfast with a Morning Person, both by Michael Langberg. Our sponsors are Art Coffee Chocolate Rum, and we love Jackal Designs. You can buy a 100th episode T-shirt commemorative. See how on our website. And hey, everybody, thanks for showing up and listening to us.